Hello and welcome to Our Three Cents, a podcast celebrating the very finest video games. My name is Jonathan Dunn and I'm joined by two friends, a childhood friend, Chris Dow. Hot mustard butter. And my adulthood friend, Minty Booth. Don't be a Nazi. And we are discussing <laughs> our all-time top 100 video games. This week, we have our number 57s. Yes. Chris's lucky number. But before we do that, let's take a trip to Wall Street and place hundreds of thousands of dollars on different stocks alongside several other Quiznessmen. <laughs> the score is 21-19 to Chris. Yes. Can Minty pull back another one? I hope so. In Blizzard's Hack and Slash Diablo, the first boss in the game is A... A, demon. B, A, giant skeleton. <laughs> C, A, butcher. D, A, mutant rat. B, I'm just going to guess. I think it's a giant skeleton. Neither of you are correct. Oh. You can have another guess. A. Giant rat. Neither of you are correct. Well. The point is going to go to the person who can correctly remember what the other option is. Butcher? Chris gets the point. Was, it, was that who it is? Or what it is? Like removing a piece of shit from the underside of your shoe. Chris, you scraped it. <laughs> like a fart scraping past a lodge shit. It was unsatisfying and quite frankly, stank. <laughs> <laughs> a grubby point. I apologise. What have we been playing this week? Oh, you know me. <laughs> Dragon Quest? Yeah. Chris, what have you been playing this week? I've played a bit of Rocket League on the, on the Switch. Never played it. Have you not? It's very good. No, football with cars. It's very good. I don't like cars. You have a car, hypocrite. <laughs> like, when it first came out on uh, on the PS4, I played it a lot with Tom, my brother, and there was kind of a period where we played online quite a lot together and, and weren't very good, but we enjoyed the experience anyway. And at some point, I picked it up on the Switch and not really remembered to play it as, as I am wont to do. Yeah. But, I, but I put it in a couple of days ago. It holds up really well. It still plays just as, as nicely as it did. And it's just really good fun. Like we, we played uh, together, you know, the, um, what's it called? The Volta mode in the new FIFA. Oh yeah. That, that kind of, uh, you know, fast paced. Is it five a side in that? It can be. It can be three, four or five a side. But in terms of that kind of more zippy, like style of football, Rocket League feels like that because you're, you're, using cars obviously to dribble balls and, and fire into nets or whatever but it's a lot of kind of playing off walls it's a lot of kind of like quite scrappy challenges and tackles but it's just it's a really good game and I kind of I was put off for a while because it's moved to essentially use like a, a season based live service type thing almost like Fortnite where you unlock rewards as you go for experience over the course of X amount of weeks but if you just approach it as just something that you can pick up for an hour play a few matches and, and just have fun for what it is I think it's still at its core a really, really good game. And it's it's nice that the developers have kind of done as well as they have off the back of something that I know they struggled to get off its feet initially. And now it's played by millions. Like it's it's a huge deal. If people haven't played it, I would absolutely recommend giving Rocket League a go because it is um it's really good fun. Might do it. Why not? We'll find out. I have been playing an Apple arcade game a lot this week. Which it's one? one that we mentioned listen it's a <laughs> it's one that i had played a little bit of and you spoke in depth about the other week chris it is grindstone oh it's good isn't it it's very very good yes it's incredibly satisfying to play it never feels too challenging but it occupies my brain enough to make it fun nice mix of 
puzzle and sort of action it's just yeah it's just really good fun i'm sort of progressing through the game fairly fairly sort of steady pace been sort of 100 percenting levels as i go yeah the only thing is i haven't really quite got my head around all of the weapons and stuff in the game and, and to be honest i haven't used them i haven't used any of the like consumable weapons the ones where you have to they have like three uses and then you have to make them again or yeah. refill them or recharge them because I, I, it feels a little bit too unstable for me to uh, rely on those yeah. so i've just been using the ones that are kind of the constant ones and i, ha- I haven't you know i haven't been found wanting on uh, any of the levels for for lack of them and it's just so refreshing to play non-freemium games because it's the sort of game where it could have very easily been just a regular free-to-play game and you need to pay, you know, 99p to carry on the level or you've got to recharge this and premium coins this. It would, But it's just so nice not to have to worry about that. It's lovely. Just such a good game. Really well designed and just really well made. And uh, I'll be sad when it's over. But I don't know when it will be over because I'm on about level 60-odd or something now and I don't know how fast I'm approaching the end. I think there's north of 100 stages. Excellent. Um, So you're about halfway. So, should we move on to the rankings? Starting this week, we have Minty. Minty. Oh, great. Can you please tell us about your 57th favourite video game, please? Yes, I'd love to. Last week, I was delighted to offer up Chrono Trigger, a game noted for its multiple branching paths through time. This week's carries on that theme of divergence, convergence, some kind of uns, um, <laughs> as it had one of my favourite overworld maps ever. It's full of secret endings and branching paths all across the landscape, which made not only completing each level fun, but also made the overworld map itself a kind of level, like a puzzle that you had to fill in. That's nice. Yeah, thank you. I remember seeing Super Mario World's Cheese Bridge level at uh, like a holiday camp type thing and being really gutted that I couldn't get through the Vanilla Dome's ghost house to get to it. So I had to go what I assume is the much harder secret route across the top of the mountain, above the dome, and then across the butter bridge, and getting lost in the forest of illusion and thinking, well, screw it, I'll just go to the final level through Star Road. But then every Star Road level had a secret exit. So then I thought, well, I have to see where this secret exit takes me. And then it takes you to the special stages in the game, which are pretty hard, especially when you consider that the idea of uh, the challenge levels and uh, Champions Road... They weren't going to be a thing in Mario games for about maybe 15 years. So after you beat the special stages, all the colours are messed up and the piranha plants are now pumpkins. The Koopas have massive Mario masks instead of shells. And wow, every time you think that you've seen everything this game has to offer, it will pull something else out. Reasonably varied bosses? Yes. Bosses. Bosses. Reasonably varied bosses? Check. Different wind conditions for some levels? Check. Annoying puzzle-based levels with a spooky aesthetic? Check. It was nice to look at too, as a fresh and bright game to kick off the life of the fresh and new Super Nintendo. Wow, what a step up from Mario 3 that game was. And we thought it couldn't be done. Turns out, it could. Yeah, yeah. In a way. It's good. Mm. It's a tasty game. You only played it recently, didn't you, Chris? I did, and and that makes it all the more fresh. So when Minty's describing these kind of pathways, I, I have been through them quite recently. And I'm sure, like I mentioned at the time, if, I, if I'd played this when I was younger and not obviously in the last few months, it absolutely would have ranked quite highly on this list hmm. because it's a really good Mario game. And Mario games, when they're good, are at the top of the pile, aren't they? They're, they're just fantastic. I 
I've never really played it properly because, like I said, with Sonic games, the early Mario games are games that always kind of existed. And especially with Super Mario All-Stars remastering like 1, 2, and 3 with Super Mario World graphics, Mm. a lot of those games were all very interchangeable for me. I didn't really know what was what and which game was which game. If I'd see them being played or I'd have a friend with a SNES. So they were never hugely special for me. I mean, it, it is a game that I've... I've jumped back into uh, several times when it's been available on virtual consoles and ports and all of that sort of thing and I've had a fantastic time but I I really would love to set aside some time and, and, and properly lose myself in that world Is it a game Minty that you come back to like Mario 3 or is it not? It, it, it's not as present as Mario 3 but it's It's, it's certainly present today Yes, yes and it's, it's still a very enjoyable Mario game even though I don't play it as much as I think I should yeah. There we go. What a Super Mario World. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, Chris. Yes. Hello. What's your 57th favourite video game? It's your lucky number. Is it your lucky game? I can tell you what, Chris. It's your lucky day. Oh, lovely. I'm going to start with a Nintendo reference before I transition into what this game actually is. One thing I really loved about Splatoon when that came out on the Wii U is how Nintendo rightfully decided that having kind of screaming adolescence in like a team-centric family-friendly game would make it utterly toxic and they just stripped out all voice chat like it just never 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 existed and it made the game so much better for not having that direct line of communication and even in Splatoon 2 I think you can talk to people but only by way of like a really convoluted app on your smartphone that connects to your switch or or some garbage so it's still better to just ignore it and I think for having like simple preset commands or, or like a simple kind of almost like emotes type thing to, to express what you're trying to do in a game, it made it a much nicer experience. Like it was a multiplayer game that I didn't mind playing because it didn't have that kind of awful culture around it. And I think that idea of, of restricting chat uh, and restricting communication in that way may have roots in my 57th favorite video game. It's a very, very different experience, but there's something about the way it uses communication, which I think has like a connection, as it were, to, to what Splatoon would go on and do. My 57th favourite video game is Journey, uh, which I originally played on the ah. PS3. Ooh. I suppose it's really hard to describe on paper. It's it's a multiplayer game, but it's not really a multiplayer game, but it's a kind of multiplayer game. And it's, it's more an experience than it is kind of a traditional video game. And at its part, it's essentially asking you to guide a cloaked, scarved figure on... A journey, I guess, like in, in its most obvious way. And it features a really strange online system, like I kind of alluded to, whereby other players may join your game at a similar point in their own individual journeys. So they could be in a similar area. The game would kind of realize that, that there's kind of two games running at essentially the same pace. And then they could appear alongside you. And the connection to Splatoon is that your only method of communication with that person is just your, your physical movement in the space. And you have a button which you can use to whistle or kind of sing, uh, like let out kind of like a, a call, as it were, that kind of helps alert other players in the area that are sharing your world to where you are, like alert them to your presence. And although you can fly through the game essentially solo in like about two hours, it's not a long game. I can almost guarantee as soon as you realize there's other real people in the world moving alongside you, moving forward towards like a shared goal, your approach to the game just changes immediately. So you start off very kind of singularly thinking, okay, I can see the summit. I know where I'm walking towards, off we go. And then as soon as you notice there are other people that are clearly not NPCs, they're they're actual real humans, 
the way you approach everything you do in the game changes completely. Oh. And I mean, like anecdotally, I, I remember the first time I played it, I picked it up as soon as it came out on the PS3 because I kind of heard good things about it. There's a section where you're kind of somewhere towards the end of the game where there's kind of, it's a snowy area. You're hiding behind little kind of like columns, anticipating snowy gusts that will, will hit you and knock you off course, trying to sort of make good progress, but, but not get attacked in the way because there's also kind of aerial threats to consider. And in this point, like just for the visual style, it's, it's, a, it's a game which is, it can be surprisingly savage, especially when viewed in contrast to how kind of soft the visuals are. Like the, there are kind of real tangible threats, which is, is a nice kind of contrast. But as I kind of thought that I, I spotted a little opening between these columns, I get a bit too cocky. I kind of run further on, get lifted up by the, the aerial threat, whisked into the sky. And as soon as I land, I, I run back to cover. And then immediately I'm just hammering the button to make my character sing. And it's because in that moment, without even thinking about kind of what I'm trying to do in that game, I'm, I'm trying to let the other people I've seen in this area know that I'm there and I'm safe. And it's, it's very strange that, you know, they, they're in this journey with you and there's nothing to be gained for, for playing it with someone else or, or playing it solo. But as soon as you're in a position where you've seen someone, you're constantly going through this idea of almost like a Marco Polo response where you're calling, you're hoping someone is calling back to say they're still there or, or they can see what's happened or they're going to come and help you or whatever. And even though you have no idea who's controlling the other characters in the world, you feel extremely connected to them. And it's, it's a game that's essentially just about being there for someone else. And back in that game, like I, I run to the next point of cover. Again, I get caught, I land, I'm, I'm just one strike away from death. So I, I take the rest of the, the approach up this hill, like really, really gingerly, just kind of walking really slowly like in kind of like a, a careful slalom. And then finally at the top, I see shrouded in the snow, this other character that is calling for me as well, that I, I, fun, I finally found them again, the person that I've made this ascent with. And it's, it's hard to express how much relief you feel in a situation like that when you, when you see the person you've shared this kind of experience with, this hardship is still there waiting for you. They, they haven't kind of just forged on ahead. They've, they've essentially done what I've done. They're, they're pressing that button. They're trying to say, I'm here, I'm here, and, and trying to call you forwards and, and help you along. And there will be times when you play when other people do press on without you. But there's also going to be times when you can start a game and essentially meet someone in the first area and stay with them all the way from kind of the initial flat desert all the way to the mountain summit. And having that like idea of a single pervasive friend to take you through a journey is is really something special. And I think in, incredibly for a game without the ability to use any speech or any conventional language, these kind of shared moments allow you to forge a much deeper, more pressing and more affecting connection than in almost any other like MMO, like World of Warcraft, for instance, or something like that, or any other like team-based community-led competitive game. Because you're sharing an actual experience and it kind of breaks it away from being just a, like a game that's about kind of ones and zeros, like a binary digital thing. It's more that you are on an actual journey. You're, you're having these moment to moment experiences. And I think in saying that, despite its name, Journey is a game about moments. And generally I, I can't really stand multiplayer games. Like I, I really don't play many at all. I know I said about Rocket League earlier today, but for the most part, I don't play a lot of multiplayer games. And yet the way that Journey introduces other players almost like surreptitiously kind of like secretly just sliding them into your your game world is an absolute masterstroke in creating like an accidental multiplayer experience i mean when i when i first booted it up on the ps3 i did so expecting that it was going to be like an artsy sort of ethereal spiritual experience because that's what i'd read about the game going into it but by the end of that day i'd played through the whole thing three times 
and I could barely even remember like the mechanics or the visuals of the game itself. Instead, it's it's just about this kind of human connection. And it's a game that as long as the game world is online, as long as the servers are still running, uh, I'd recommend everyone tries at least once because if there's other people around and you get to have that kind of moment-to-moment experience, it's just like a big warm hug of a game. It's really, really nice to kind of experience that with someone else, even if you don't know who that someone else is. And I can't really think of anything else that, that works in that way. I can't think of many other games that, that have that same kind of experience where the person you're sharing something with is completely faceless, but you still feel very, very connected to them. And it's, it's just, it's very, very special. And uh, I don't think they've ever really captured that feeling again in, in their later efforts. What they called that game company, the developers of, of Journey. Yeah, yeah their, their recent kind of like iOS game really kind of tries to trade on this idea of what journey did well by way of like a weird free-to-play experience and it just didn't do it for me Mm. yeah it's not quite there but journey very special give it a go i agree (laughs) and i'm very glad that you explained the mechanics for it saves me from doing it when i come to talk about it (laughs) it took me a long time to get around to playing journey and it was one of the first things I picked up when I got a PS4 because yeah. I finally had something I could play it on. You know, the first sort of 10, 20 minutes, I was just like, what the heck is this? This is this is not good. Like, what is this? And then an hour later, I was in tears because of how good it was. <laughs> because it continued to get very, very bad. Yeah. Once I sort of realised what it was doing and how it was doing it, it became a very profound experience. And uh, yeah. yes, one that I shall share my more detailed thoughts on at a later date. Ooh. As for now, I'm going to share my thoughts on my 57th favourite video game. Long-time listener Andy Smith is someone who recommended this game to me. I believe he recommended it to me because he was friends with one of the developers. And he was reminded of this game when I showed him the mobile game called The Impossible Game. Okay. Which was a brilliantly hard and hypnotic endless runner game where you play as a red cuboid bouncing and jumping through an increasingly difficult terrain. Now, I just sort of mastered this game and, you know, could beat it sort of fairly regularly. I was just showing off, uh, showing him just how well I could do in the face of seemingly impossible odds. (laughs) Anyway, this game reminded Andy of a game with a similar protagonist. A red cuboid Ooh. who goes by the name of Thomas, Thomas, who found himself in stark isolation in the beautifully existential puzzle platformer Thomas Was Alone. Oh, The basic gist of Thomas Was Alone is you are a small fraction of AI who gains sentience inside a computer mainframe. Along your journey of self-discovery to escape the mainframe, you meet several other AIs in the form of different coloured and different shaped cubes who have unique abilities John the tall yellow AI can jump higher than Thomas he's very eager to prove this Claire (laughs) is a (laughs) Claire is a big blue cube who is very happy to find out that she floats on water Laura is a long pink AI who becomes a bouncy platform for others to jump on there are several others when you gain these friends you can then cycle through them at will to help you traverse the increasingly complex levels much in the way of something like trine where your different characters might be in different parts of the level and you need to swap between them and use their abilities to unlock a different path so that you can all come together and reach the end point it's a very simple concept and it's obviously one that's certainly been done before but there was something about the minimalist 
clean design here that makes it feel like the most refined version of this format much less lost vikings and more neatly organized ai bits <laughs> for lack of a better word the biggest gimmick in this game is the narration that's here it's fairly constant a sort of telling of thomas's journey and his thoughts and they're all being brilliantly narrated by british comedian danny wallace it's it's really really well written it's very funny it's very wry it's got that self-deprecating knowingness that is really only present in British comedians. The different characters in the game had such personality in very, very simple ways. And this was all being tied together by this narration. And it meant that you, you know, just a simple coloured shape all of a sudden had the biggest personality. And it was amazing. It made you feel very, very connected to these other characters, despite the fact that, well, one, you just met them, and two, they were fractions of AI. It's ridiculous. And the credit for this is entirely down to the brilliance of the writing and in Danny Wallace's delivery of it. It almost feels like a chamber piece of a game. It's very short, sweet. It's a very singular concept, a very good concept, and just perfectly delivered. It doesn't overstay its welcome, and it's just a pure delight to play throughout. As with a lot of games that have been in my list, I must give a shout out to the fantastic musical score in the game. It created such an incredible emotional arc for Thomas as he was going through that, I mean, you'd find yourself playing, keeping up with the emotional beats of the score because you knew that it was making an amazing kind of dramatic moment with what was happening in the game. It was very, very satisfying. And I think it's probably the video game soundtrack that I've listened to in isolation the most. I've just played it. It's only about 25 minutes long, all in all. And all of the tracks are gorgeous. It's piano-led with an orchestral kind of bass, but it's also combined with just lovely chiptune parts throughout, almost as if there's this chiptune voice just echoing in the orchestral chamber whilst it's being recorded it's just a wonderful fusion of styles and yeah like I said, just one of my all-time favorite soundtracks a video game or if anything just lovely and to be honest there's not really much else to talk about the game it's such a simple game but, but the reason why it's so high up in my list i think is it just really really hit a few of my very key interests in terms of existential sci-fi uh, geometric shapes geometric shapes <laughs> love them challenging but not unfair fun gameplay very clean minimalist design great music british comedy i mean it, it was all there and it just combined for such a wonderful experience and i think i've only played through the game maybe twice and i really really hoped that it had been ported to the switch when i checked last night because i thought oh, i just really really fancy playing through this again before i talk about it and the switch would be such a great fit for it it's one of the very few games that is not on the switch it seems and one of its 10 billion thousand <laughs> eShop titles is it's one that's not there so I, I would implore them to uh make a little port i will certainly buy it yeah that's, that's surprising actually because the most recent games that i think it's mike bithel is, is the developer yeah they're all on the switch but i don't think thomas was alone and volume is first two are and it seems like he's he's missing out there because uh, they are on the Vita. <laughs> wow. So, you know, and no one has a Vita. 
So there we have it. Three games. First we had... Super Mario, Super Mario, Super Mario World. <laughs> and then we had... Journey. Before finally, Thomas was alone. Oh. Yeah, lovely triptych there. Enjoy that very much. If you've enjoyed it, and if you've enjoyed any of our episodes, in fact, then please do like and subscribe. Leave us a review, share it on social media, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your dog. Love dog. Oh, I love dogs. Yeah. <laughs> Let's tell all our dogs. Send us photos of you playing these episodes to your dog. Oh, please do. If you do that, hmm. we will find a way of sending you some sort of prize. Yes. Bonus points if it's a greyhound or... A Bichon Freeze. Or a Border Collie. Lovely. Lovely. If you want to reach out to us, you can do that. If you go to Facebook, you can search for Our Three Cents and find us and talk to us there. Ask us questions about the episode. Ask us questions that you might like us to answer in a future episode. Why the shit not? <laughs> or if you want to reach out to us individually, you can do that. You can find me on Twitter at Jonathan Dunn. You can find me at Chaz underscore Hodges. You can Clement underscore Boomy at Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoyed that. And please join us next week for our 56s and bring your dog. Please. Dogs can stay. You can leave.